Chapter 7 of Silly and Its Legends by Henry James Whitfeld. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. St. Mary's, number 3. Today I finished my survey of St. Mary's Isle, which indeed deserves to be visited not in the spirit of those who peep and botanize, but with all the feeling of high art and with a keen appreciation of its lights and shadows. I started from Hewtown in the afternoon and followed the path to the left winding round Pamillon, or Porthmelon, Bay. On the hill above us are seen some ruins called Harry's Walls. Footnote, near them is a fine men here. Footnote ends. They are all that remain of what was intended to be a fortress in the reign of Henry VIII, but it was never finished. Such was the excellence of the cement used in its construction that it defies man's efforts to remove it, and there it stands. Mr. Barry, a lesson to you and to the other architects of this enlightened age. Had I asked an old man who was working near the spot the history of those grey stones, if he had not, as most probably he would have done, said something after the fashion of the Spaniard, or the Italian Chissa, or Quinsab, I should have been referred to the omnipresent destroyer, Oliver Cromwell. So I held my peace. What a singular trait in the idiosyncrasy of this people is their total want of curiosity, about the past, their general absence of tradition and of storied memories. Footnote. This is a strong proof of a complete change of race. A tribe or family always preserves its own records, but neglects those of its predecessors. So the ruined cities of South America, in their vastness, are to us a sealed book. Their builders are gone, and those that came after them wrecked not of them. Footnote ends. Races and generations have ruled here and have passed away. A rock temple beneath the sky is the tomb of departed priesthood. Yonder curtain and bastion tell a tale of the grim sovereign at whose bidding they arose, and who probably flung down an altar or a monastery to furnish materials for them. The site of Tresco Abbey speaks of its ancient faith. The lonely tower on the hillside beyond is a memorial of the Puritans, and was itself erected from the fragments of a castle of the Plantagenets. All this you must guess, since you will look in vain for any aid to be found from the natives or on the spot. The round towers of Ireland are not a greater puzzle to its Celts than are the relics of other days to their kindred here. Antiquity has, perhaps, left a treasure under their feet. But what do they care? The fate of all the Argosies ever stranded on their shores is nothing in their eyes to a lucky salvage like that of the West Indiaman, wrecked on the rocks of Samson this spring. As Corner says, it is Uberol Lieben, Uberol Strieben, Uberol Sonneschinen. Above Permelin Bay is a cluster of comfortable houses, and a good road is in the process of formation. Indeed, the highways are marvellously perfect. Nor in them are comfort and convenience discarded. They have a gravelled footpath, bordered with stone, and at intervals, many a handsome seat, on which an anagram with the date, 1847, informs you to whose munificence and kind superintendence you are indebted for this accommodation. After visiting Carn Morval, from whence is a magnificent view of the pool, there is an ascent to the telegraph which rises 210 feet above the level of the sea. Near it again is a fine menhir, or upright stone, probably an object of druidical worship. There is also an opened barrow or tomb of great extent and very perfect. The Catholics do not seem here, as in Brittany, 
to have added crosses to these idols, and so to have appropriated them to their own faith. In the course of my walk I saw another of these shapeless rocks, and burrows almost numberless, some being in remarkably fine preservation. There is a farm also called Normandy, so named, perhaps, by some emigrant from old Neustria, as our countrymen in Australia, bear with them the remembrance of their native homes. We passed Inesigen Point, Sandy Bar, the Crow Rock, and Helvior, which are so many points of beauty, each with its peculiar features, redeeming it from monotony and giving to it its own wild stamp and impress. After visiting the neighbourhood of Mount Todden, and so completing the circuit of the island, we turned inland. We remarked many farmhouses, evidently in a most prosperous state, and many comfortable cottages. The crops were extremely good, the principal one being, here as elsewhere, the early potato. If you want to judge the character of a landlord, go and look at the condition of his farmhouses and of his peasantry. On a large open space called the Green, there was a considerable number of young people of both sexes collected, the men playing at cricket and the women and children in groups watching them. Being Easter Tuesday, I find that today an annual fair or feast is held in this place and is, I should think, a relic of some custom handed down from other times. The locality too is singular, for the Green is just above Holy Vale, and the celebration was probably in some way connected with the ecclesiastics and under their patronage, and was meant to be an indulgence after the mortifications of Lent. From the crest of the descent to Holy Vale, called Maypole Hill, the view is very beautiful. The pulpit rock and the old church are in the distance. Around you lie cultivated fields, interspersed with the sweetest wilderness of flowering gorse and heather that you ever had the good fortune to see. Hewtown and its castled crags stand out in bold relief. Above your head a peregrine falcon is wheeling with long majestic swoops, and at your feet reposes in its picturesque groves here full of rare and strange loveliness, though no longer consecrated by affection or by piety, the little oasis of Holy Vale. Lacordaire, the famous Roman Catholic preacher, has said very finely that while human institutions fade away and are forgotten with their founders, there seems a spell and a sacredness in the mere name of God that all men confess and honour. Look at the poets, ask five men out of ten in the world who Homer was, and they will stare at you in silent surprise. How many nations did the philosophy of Plato rule or convert? How much do people of the present day, or of many a one that is past, care about Socrates? Did Demosthenes found a sect, or do men bow at the name of Cicero? Look, on the other hand, at the contrast shown by religion, even when false. Look at the religious books, even of heathenese, what makes the kings, the Vedas, the law of Confucius, the Koran, immortal? What gives them sweetness after the lapse of so many ages, and vitality and life, so that thousands obey them and live by them and die for them, false and fictitious though they be? It is because the superstructure may be unreal, but the idea is truth. There is a power in the very word, God, that forbids all who invoke it to die. There is, in the very name, that which preserves from putrefaction, even imposture and deceit, as the call had strength to evoke the shade of the prophet Samuel, even though spoken by lying lips. So it is with the remembered sanctity that still hovers around the sites of these old religious foundations. The dwellers in them had 
generally peaceful and contemplative minds they loved the beauties of nature and they chose their abiding places with a painter's and a poet's eye so their memory lingers after them the same charms that soothed their spirits still cling to the nooks hallowed by their retirement heightened and filled with holy melancholy by the ruins that remind us of them the hand of violence that drove out from their cells the sons and daughters of god is powerless here in the domain of fancy and amid the shadows of the past there is a world in which exists the people of prayer connected with a still by a dim feeling of our common ancestral faith by the conscious kindred of our human hopes and fears with such a spirit as this even in this day of professed enlightenment there may be some who will pause for a moment in the realities of life to read the following legend end of chapter 7 recording by timothy ferguson gold coast australia